Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. And Chris, we're on the web now. Three Yards Per Carry is on fivereasonsports.com. And I'll have a mock draft on there. So I've joined the rest of the idiots in trying to guess who the first 13 picks are going to be. So hopefully I hit like two or three, you know, and then Just, the rest, I'll, I'll blame it on teams picking the wrong guys or, you know, the board setting up incorrectly for me. Just whatever you do, don't say that you are wrong. Yeah, no, never, never. Uh, I'll just, you know, it's somebody else's fault. It's not going to be mine. You know, my, it's true. my mock draft was meticulously researched and mm-hmm. absolutely correct. They just changed their mind at the time that they were going to pick, you know? Yep, absolutely. It was, it was not wrong. Yeah. Well, the Miami Dolphins, if you haven't been noticing, don't have a lot of great position groups, okay? But one of them that we did think was actually pretty good was the running back spot. You had, of course, the two headliners, Kenyon Drake, Kellen Balazs, then, of course, you had Sonoris Perry, who's shown some promise. He's gone. He's now a Buffalo Bill. And, of course, earlier in free agency, Brandon Bolden, a guy who I didn't think did anything wrong. He was a pretty good special teams player, and he averaged like 35 yards a carry. He's gone, and he's back in New England. First of all, let me ask you about Brandon Bolden, Chris. Why is he not a Miami Dolphin today? It's really difficult to figure out um, in that, as we've talked about, he's – He's got a relatively affordable contract. It's, it's two years, $3.7 million for the New England Patriots. He might have given them first ra- first whack, really, um, because, uh, you know, why wouldn't he? He's You go back up there, you compete for championships. Down here, it was, you know, he was clearly slumming it for a year, and uh, and now he's now he's ready to go back up. So, I mean, if my, Miami would have had to beat it, right, they'd have had to beat the offer pretty good. Yeah, and I think – and I wouldn't have mind, like, throw another million dollars at him. And force him to say no to another million dollars. Like, you know, what's the big deal? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, at the same time, I, I think they just want to revamp the position. Um, and I don't think they can revamp the position with, say, Kenyon Drake or Kellen Balazs because the, um, the investments there are too strong. And not that they would want to anyway. I think uh, I really believe Brian Flores when he says that – or, uh, sorry, of uh, um, Kenyon Drake is – a really good player that he's had a hard time game planning against. I really believe him. I think that's right. You know, clearly Kenyon has, has had some success against them, particularly in the passing game where they like to do a lot of damage uh, in this particular style of offense with their running backs. But otherwise I think they want to just revamp it and remake the position and get some more versatility in there. I think they've already got some versatility with guys with Kalen Bala and Kenny Drake, but I think they just want to get all the way through. So when you look at him, they've only got two guys. And yeah. they're gonna need they're gonna need six, maybe seven for preseason to to really in a in a ninety man roster, you're gonna need six or seven. So um there's a lot of there's a lot of names to get and two of them are gonna actually make the fifty three man roster probably. Yeah. So they got work to do and they're gonna um they're gonna do it in the draft. I mean a lot of people just aren't necessarily thinking about running back as a need in the draft, but it is now. Get, it is now they're going to get one or, you know, maybe two. I, my, my sense is a significant one in the draft, 
and then you know kind of like um you know have spring training uh, uh at the position in camp where a bunch of UDFAs and and maybe some guys that are making some waves in the uh the AAF will be brought in to compete for maybe that fourth roster spot uh where special teams are going to be really important and stuff like that but I, I think they're just they just want to go cheaper at the position and um and start start getting the players because you know another thing to think about Kenyon drake is going to be a free agent sometime and mm-hmm. i don't know are they gonna are they gonna pay him big money is he gonna demand big money what's what's the deal gonna be and they i think they want to be prepared to lose him so to be prepared to lose him means kind of starting to build your backlog there instead of you know taking guys that have already been here like uh, brandon bolden and frank gore and Sonoros Perry and Perry doing it from scratch. Well, that brings us to the draft. Now, before these events transpired, I would have said no way to using a top 100 pick on a running back. Now it seems actually mm-hmm. kind of likely. And to be honest with you, I really do not like this running back class. And what I do like of it are guys that are going to be in that top 100, like Josh Jacobs and Devin Singletary. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I think that um, right away you got to look at Damian Harris of Alabama because yeah. uh, because of his pass catching abilities, and I think that that's exactly what they want. And Alabama guys are sort of they're they're going to be uh, they're going to be in line with their thought process on in terms of work ethic and how they were uh, coached by Nick Saban, coached very hard coached a professional program we know that the guys in miami's front office are kind of sec big school guys um at least chris greer is so you know you got to look there and start there Um, maybe josh jacobs as well but i I just would project him as probably going too high um but you know then you got to look at miles sanders of penn state um your guy daryl henderson of memphis hugely productive very elusive you know, mm-hmm. just dominant back i i really like david montgomery though of iowa state i think he was mm-hmm. a you know do everything guy physically impressive mm-hmm. just an all-around good back and um you know very powerful and i i, I think that, that that would be i think it would be a mistake if they were gonna ignore him mm-hmm. um and you know but i'm with you there there's not a ton of these guys that i love yeah. Uh, Devin Singletary is is a guy that I I am pretty sure they love, um, or they really like at Florida Atlantic, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he is he is a very good player. He's a very shifty, smaller back, but um, but he's a he's a guy. And in, in the late late areas, you know, there's some some interesting guys that I think that they could look at. Personally, I you know like Rodney Anderson, even though he's a little he bit injured leg, though, yeah in yeah i mean he's injured but hey they don't care about 2019 right <laughs> yeah um so uh, i think darwin thompson of utah state is very elusive a very good back there's a guy that i've been you know kind of harping for uh out of old dominion jeremy cox i believe his name is and uh and i think that that's that's a guy that you know, he's got a lot of experience uh, actually catching the football over the last two years. 
and and in some of the games he's just absolutely dominant with his power i mean he's and then he he goes up to his pro day and he just absolutely blew it out of the water you know jeremy cox might be a guy worth looking at they're gonna bring in they're gonna bring in like four guys five maybe even five so um so why not you're gonna be taking a look at all these udfas anyway but with you i mean divine ozigbo uh of nebraska maybe somebody like him uh, they're gonna get get somebody and with a significant pick, and it's it's maybe not something that we would have forecast or maybe even agreed with uh, a couple months ago. But it is what they intend because that position is very important to the offense because it's a dominant position for them in the passing game, and so they need to remake it and make sure they get exactly what they want. Well, that brings us to what they need, and what they're gonna need is a guy who's a pretty good pass protector and catches the ball cleanly. A guy I really like. And he's a local product, and he really he ran really good at the combine, and that's Travis Homer. Travis mm. Homer is one of the better pass protectors that you're gonna see anywhere. He was really good at the U. He catches the ball cleanly, and he's had his moments running the football too. Now, after mm. running under four five at the combine, you gotta think that he's he's a guy that you could look at in that fifth round range, fourth round, fifth round that area, and he could be your third back. I don't, mm. I don't, I don't. You know, I'm not going to tout him as some, you know, star in the waiting like Kellen Bellage was last year. But <laughs> Travis Homer is an absolute – he's a pro. He's going to be a pro, and I think he's pretty good. The other guy, and this is the one that I wanted to get your opinion on, is a guy that I like mm. at Stanford, and that's Jonathan Bryce Love. He's going by both names now. He used to be known as Bryce Love. Now he wants to be known as Jonathan Love. What do you make of him? I know that his pass-catching numbers are not all that great. But if you mm-hmm. watched him in workouts, he looks like he knows what he's doing. He catches the ball cleanly with his hands. His transitions are nice and smooth. Like you could tell that that he, that he knows how to catch the football. And it's obvious. And and it's obvious when you watch some of these guys that running back, especially that are not good at catching the football, they're usually a mess in those drills. He's not. He's really fluid athlete. What do you make of him? I think that in the past when I've watched him, I would never accuse him of being. I would uh, would not have accused him anyway of being bad in the passing game. I think that he's he's the type for it, and and what I mean is like you know he's he's a shifty type and he's going to make people miss and um you know he's he's one of the best out there in terms of um, probably top ten in terms of creating missed tackles and and does very well obviously and uh, in in his elusive you know abilities you know clearly like you said he didn't he didn't do a whole lot catching the football but uh but he i, I don't know I, I think that that might be go back a year go back a year and this guy was you know kind of a dominant force uh in, in college the college landscape uh, mm. eight yards a carry i mean it, yeah. and 19 touchdowns i mean it's, it's it's ridiculous and sometimes there's something to be said for you know these guys that have a poor senior year for one reason or another um falling too far and people kind of just forgetting about what happened two years ago and there's also something to be said for sort of the late come guys who were nothing two years ago and then all of a sudden had a breakout season and then they get overdrafted and really it just turned out they're there was just the one season it was just a a breakout year where everything came out you know came 
everything came up Millhouse. Um, so I, I think that there's something to be said for a guy that was dominant two years ago and was really good in the, the two years prior as well. You know, averaging seven eight seven point eight yards a carry, seven yards a carry, eight point one yards a carry. I mean, really, just stupendous stuff. And then he falls because he didn't quite have the senior year that you might have thought. So you know, the, the, there's something to be said for that. I like it. Okay, now one guy who you know showed up at the combine and was an absolute unmitigated disaster. But if you avoid that and you didn't see him at the combine, you just watch this tape. You watch him play football. Elijah mm-hmm. Holyfield is a guy that he looked to me like a, like he would make a good pro. But yeah, yeah. are you really out just because he's slower than, than molasses, it seems? Well, he's still running. Um, <laughs> yeah. So is it really no, – so it's over for him is what you're saying. He's undraftable. I, it's not that – I wouldn't say it's over for him. I mean, it's never really over for him. In fact, you, you kind of you like a guy that – um, take a J. Chai Polite, for example, uh, that's, that ends up having the absolutely unmitigated disaster of an offseason. Yes. And you, you see him drop and drop and drop on that, and then you're like, well, when I look at this guy on tape, he's actually pretty good. You'll, you kind of like that because it, like it looks like a value opportunity. But I, I was never – in necessarily on Elijah Holyfield in order to be out. I mean, I, that, maybe I just have high standards, but I was watching that the 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 running backs that Georgia had previously, Sony Michelle and Nick and, Chubb. Yeah, that's and it's not the same. It's, no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> it's no, not. It's really bad. not. And you know they they got they got a lot of they got a lot of good receivers there. They got you know some some talent. Everywhere on that offense, they got a great quarterback. You know, very possible that a guy like Elijah Holyfield was helped along a little bit better, and uh, and that you know that's why some of the the offensive linemen could outrun him, and uh, and and yet he still uh, does well. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, this is not a very inspiring group. Okay, let's, let's just leave it at that. But, all right, it's time. Give me a name. Give me a guy and give me the pick you would use on him for the Miami Dolphins. Well, you know, I still – I'm still not sure that I that I like – when I look across the, the whole landscape of positions, defense mm-hmm. alignment, offense alignment, and Miami's needs, and, you know, and I'm, I'm not just talking about needs right now in 2019. I'm talking about, like, you know, going forward needs – I'm still well, not a well, yeah, well, yeah, if you look at the team and there's nobody there, that's a need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a need, you know, not just in 2019, but 2020 and, and beyond. I'm still not a huge fan here of getting a, a running back. I mean, if there has to be one, it's David Montgomery. That's who it is. And that's and a second-round pick. I'm pretty and sure. I don't, maybe I don't – I have no idea where he's going to go. The NFL values these guys where they value them. Yeah. You know, we said – we said well, what did we say a long time ago about Lamar Miller? You know, oh, that's a second-round pick for sure. Uh, yeah. Maybe first round. And he's fourth round. <laughs> we're like, okay, I guess we'll take him. And then, uh, you know, fast forward, Jay Ajayi, you know, we were saying the same thing. That's a second-round pick for sure. You know, maybe even first round. And then we're sitting there, well, where did we get him? Like fifth round, sixth yeah, round? Yeah, we got him in the fifth round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I know there was some injury stuff there, but what was Lamar? Why was Lamar Miller there? You know, so so you never know. Uh, David Montgomery's sitting right in front of you in the fourth round, something like that. Yeah, 
otherwise, I am waiting. I'm I'm really waiting, and I, I like I like taking a look at this group. I like looking for elusive players. Um, I like looking for guys like uh, like I said, Jeremy Cox and um, and Darwin Thompson, and another one that to pay attention to is is Wes Hills uh, from Slippery Rock. I think that he's another another guy. Uh, I like taking those guys. I really like taking taking chances on late guys and then having them all come into camp and compete with one another. And they're all going to be hungry enough to that they know that they got to learn to block their asses off and and play special teams, and um and or otherwise, what are they doing here? And that's what I like. I like I like to do that. So you got two guys that you feel pretty good at contributing in Kenny and Drake and Callum Balazs. So why not, you know, spend the rest of the, the, um, the roster spaces getting those guys that are all just going to compete real hard with one another, like, like only UDFAs can. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where I still want to go with this. All right. For me, uh, I looked at him again. I gave it a a long second look. He checks a lot of boxes of what they're going to want. And the local product, Travis Homer, in the fifth round, I uh, think, is a guy that could find his way here. Like, if you, if you want to know, okay, is he fast? He runs under 4.5. So, check. Does he have size? He's over 200 pounds. Does he catch the ball cleanly? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is he a good pass protector? One of the best in college football. So, yeah, why not? Now, whatever not- happened to Duke Johnson, by the way? Oh, he's still rostered over there in Cleveland. Is he? I think yeah. so. They can't trade him. Did, weren't, they gonna, weren't they going to trade him? They were trying to trade him. And yeah. if you look at their roster, it's kind of obvious that they're going to trade him because they have Chubb and they have Kareem Hunt. So, like, you know, what else is there? Those two you know, guys- maybe, Miami, maybe Miami is just waiting on that. Maybe. Maybe, and- the, maybe they're going to wait till Cleveland feels, you know, like they, they just got to they gotta ditch him. They're going to come down to Miami's price or something like that. Because we heard that Miami might be in on that. Yeah, we did. And, it would make a ton of sense compared if you think about the fact that they only have two running backs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it'd make a ton of sense. So I don't know. It might be, in, might be the other Miami. Well, this is not a very good you. group. This is not a very good group. So we're just going to move yeah. on. Now, another unit that we're, I guess we could say we're happy with, we're not ecstatic with it, but we're happy with it. They retain Devonte mm-hmm. Parker, the wide receiver group. What do yeah, they need going forward? Are they short a guy? I think they are. You think they're short a guy? Yeah, I think they're short. I, a guy. I think they could do just fine with this. I, I think that this offense is going to be so dominated by multiple tight end offense, mm-hmm. and you know the running backs getting involved in the passing game as well. That I I wonder if they need a guy. I mean, sure, you could always get a guy. Um, but when you when you're talking about having Albert Wilson. Unless they ditch Kenny Stills, which is still possible, trade trade him on draft day or something like that. Unless they ditch him, it's hard for me to imagine them spending a pick on this position because they have Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant. And then they have Bryce Butler and Isaiah Ford competing with one another, both of which are rosterable players. Yeah. So... I, and, and when I look at what they've been interested in and what I've heard about um, as, as far as, you know, who they're sending their, their materials to to get 
you know, get to know these players, they send surveys out and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of late, guys. And they're kind of bigger guys like uh, Keelan Doss of UC Davis. Um, and, and we're talking about guys that might not be a draft pick. Although Jalen Hurd uh, of Baylor, I believe, is on on the radar. And I, I love that guy. So, you know, that would be that would be one. He could actually be used in running back. He was like a five-star recruit at running back. He was like six foot four or something like that. And six foot, you know, huge guy but yeah so i think that they could they could just wait for undrafted free agency and start making kind of uh, some acquisitions that way i think they probably have about four spots um maybe five because if you can if you account for the fact that albert wilson and jakeem grant are not 100 percent right now maybe five guys between now and august uh and, and that the rest of free agency as well as undrafted free agency. And you know, I, I bring, I come back to it and it's not just cause, cause I like the guy and you know, have, I, I know him, but, um, but the air force wide receiver that I talked about a couple of years ago, Jalen Robinette uh, leading the, the all time most productive wide receiver in air force history, averaged something ludicrous, like 26 yards per catch in his last two years there. Mm-hmm. Six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounds. You know, ran, just recently ran a four five two or something like that. He was at Dwayne Haskins' pro day, uh, catching passes for for Dwayne Haskins because his mandatory service is done. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots had him in camp. The Patriots had him in camp two years ago, back when there was this big kerfuffle. He thought he was going to be eligible to sign with the NFL, but then and the, during the second day of the draft, the Air Force issued a memo saying you know basically rescinding their policy of allowing their their uh, their academy graduates to seek employment with the nfl before their mandatory service so they rescinded that like you know a draft day party planned and everything it was really awful they were sending that and and so there was kind of a little bit of a hazy period where they were trying to get them grandfathered in on the old policy and they didn't know if they were going to do it and so in the meantime, he went to Buffalo Bills camp and he went to New England Patriots camp. He knows Chad O'Shea. Uh, he liked them. And, and, but then it, it turned out he could not go to the NFL. And so he did his mandatory service. Now he's trying to get back in front of the scouts. And he was at that Ohio State pro day catching passes from Dwayne Haskins, even making them look good, you know, catching some one-handers out deep and, uh, and coming back hard and, digging them off the ground and stuff like that. I mean, there, there were some oohs and ahs and claps uh, during that pro day for what he did out there. I, I can't help but think maybe he's on radar just because of the fact that he was already on radar for the New England Patriots two years ago mm-hmm. uh, with Chad O'Shea and that he did coach him during, the, during that rookie mini camp. You know, maybe somebody like him who's, you know, kind of already available, but they've got to add four or five bodies here. And, uh, and I think they're going to be kind of focused on big and cheap guys. Well, we're going to go to break right now. And when we come back, we continue with the wide receivers. But first, these words. You're listening to the Five Reason Sports Network. We've created a menu of intelligent and entertaining content on demand for commutes, workouts, and more. And by now, you're already familiar with the 15 different podcasts in our network. Today, we are proud to announce the premiere of our brand new website, 5 
On it, you'll find columns from more than a dozen of our hosts, many who are professional writers in the market. Watch original videos from shows like Miami Heat Beat and Balls Cast. Browse our full merchandise shop. And unlike other outlets in the area, there's no paywall. Everything is absolutely free. All of this from a network that's credentialed from all five major sports teams in South Florida. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's free? We're by Miami for Miami. We're sports on your schedule. We're Miami Sports On Demand. We're the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Go to 5ReasonSports.com today. Hey, I'm Josh Appel. And I'm Billy O'Rourke. And we are the hosts of 5 Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast, Smark Your Territory, where we bring you the hard-hitting well, wrestling. No, well, not, no, we don't want it. It's not too hard-hitting because you don't want to hurt the other guy. It's more of a dance we're trying to do here. We're trying to keep it. Protect, protect the other guy. Yeah, you want to protect okay, the other so guy. Okay, so maybe we'll go more in-depth. Yeah, that's good. That's better. Smark Your Territory, 5 Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast with the most in-depth wrestling talk you'll find. Hi, this is Craig Mish from Swings and Mishes here on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. Just in case you missed any of our podcasts in the past, here's what you missed. We have been um, extremely aggressive in in trying to acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for, you know, uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that that ownership is, is fully supportive and allowing us to to, to do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in, in this region, in the gateway to America, and, and, and for Miami to become a destination spot for, for all Latin players uh, because, you know, this is such an international city. And we're back. Okay, Chris. Another guy that kind of fits, since you're saying that they, they're looking into more bigger guys, is the guy that you and me have been, you know, we've been pretty on to this guy for the better part of two years, and that's Tyree Brady of Marshall. Yeah. He has not run as far as I know. He, is he nursing some type of injury I'm not aware of? Um, I don't know of one. I, I, I really thought that he did run. Uh, I thought he has I had no a, combine I, results at the 40-yard dash. But he, well, did, he, he did jump 32 inches, and he had 12. That's points. right. You're, you're right. Well, maybe he's, maybe he's afraid of what he's going to time. <laughs> but he <laughs> looks good on Maybe you know he he's looks, gonna be, he's he's noticeable. going to be there with Elijah Holyfield. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's noticeable, and he's big, you know, 6'3", well over 200 pounds, like 210 pounds. He's a local so, kid. He's a Miami kid. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he busted out of the out of the U. So yeah. Well, you're, that's right. <laughs> so that that tells you all you need to know about what happened with him locally. But he's a guy that that is kind of I would say noticeable. And I can't. I I just cannot see how he's going to be expensive. Expensive meaning you have to spend a lot of draft capital for him. So is he a guy that maybe they can pick up like in that sixth round area, or will he yeah, make it there? Yeah, well, I think I think he could go undrafted. I mean, you have to look at the reason that he busted out of the U and and the fact that he's not running, and yet he's done the vertical and the broad jump and the, the shuttle and bench press and still hasn't done a 40-yard dash for whatever reason. And by the way, that um, vertical of 32 inches, that's, you know, yeah, watch him on good. film, that's not good. Uh, that 32-inch yeah. vertical, yeah, that's not good. 
He looks better than that on yeah. film. Oh, Somehow awesome. he didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, it's also not – doesn't seem accurate, yeah, is what you're saying. And when you, when you watch him at – and I've been watching him for years at, at Marshall. Um, he looks just so professional and so good at getting open and so good yeah. at finishing catches. I, he's just – when he showed up at the Senior Bowl, too, it was like Debo Samuel and Terry McLaurin were just like a cut above to me in terms of how professional they looked and how good they got and they um they could run the routes and get open and finish plays and Tyree Brady was kind of right there too like he had this very professional look about the way that he's able to move and create separation and control his body and do everything do everything like that I didn't know that he was this big <laughs> he's, yeah he's, he's huge six, he's six, three, 211 pounds I you know watching him at Marshall I never accused him of being like a huge a huge guy uh you, yeah he looks slim I, the guy I mentioned, Jalen Robinette, you look at him and you're like, whoa, that's a big dude. Yeah, he's um, thick. He looks like a Ronda Gaston. Yeah, he's six foot three and, and 215 pounds, which isn't, which is like, like, what, one inch and four pounds heavier than Tyree Brady? Yeah. And you're like, no, <laughs> you know, that's not, that yeah. can't be true. But, you know, it's some, that's just the way these guys carry it. Um, Tyree Brady is sneaky big, uh, which means that he's also agile and has good body control and, always been a favorite of mine uh definitely somebody that is just he's on my list i have a list of sort of like no-brainers if they go undrafted and you have a choice and and guys that you just run up to and say come to my camp please yeah. and he's on that list i mean there's probably only two receivers on that list for me um and he's one of them now let me give you another guy this is the guy that i'm a big fan of i've been watching him since he was a freshman as a freshman, some people were saying this was a first-round pick waiting to happen, that he would eventually be a first-round pick. He's not. You could argue he's the third-best receiver in Georgia. So <laughs> Terry Godwin is a guy that's always looked good to me. He looks like a pro. Now, I wanted to see him run a little bit better than four-five-five, 5 but I think that four-five-five 5 is just enough, I would say, to make him draftable. What are your thoughts on him? Because I like him a lot. He just – he looks good to me. He looks like a professional wide receiver to me. He, he looks like a slot. I mean, yeah. and, and he looks like just a slot. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. he's – like, he was clearly – he was clearly a slot player for um, for Georgia. I watched him live up, in, up, up close in the Shrine practices, you know, day in and day out. And he, he stood out for the way that he could get open. Uh I don't know that he stood out for the physicality. Uh, and, and that's something – if you're going to be a slot, you can't just be a slot because you're small, right? Mm -hmm. you got to be a slot. you got to be unusually physical for your size as a slot. you got to have that quick movement and stuff like that, and that's why small guys can do so, so well there. But these guys need to be a lot more physical for their size. And um, I just I'm – not, I'm not sure if he has, if he has that. Uh, and that, that's my, my, just my personal opinion, um, watching him at shrine practices and whatnot. I'm just not positive. He has that, but he definitely runs well. He's got good foot contact and balance and, and he controls himself really well and he can get open. But, um, you know, when the, when the game gets a lot more physical, that's my question. All right. Now give me a guy, give me a guy who gets onto this roster from this entire group, if any. Uh, anybody? <laughs> yeah, give me a name. Uh, 
I like Hakeem Butler, but <laughs> yeah, but we know what we got to use on him. You got to use a, a late first. You know, that's that's probably that's probably the one guy that I would probably uh, take. Well, not not one. I would take Andy. I would take Hakeem Butler or Andy Isabella with high picks. I just think they're that that great players. Um, and you could say, hey, you know, we're not trying to win this year. We're not trying to plug holes. Uh, this is about who are we going to have four, four years from now. And I know that Andy Isabella or Hakeem Butler are going to be here four years from now, probably dominating people. Uh, and that's, you know, on that basis, I would totally, I would totally think about that. But, you know, otherwise we're looking at taking guys that go undrafted. Um, I think entire, the, the guys that, that were on my list that way, um, that made a lot of sense were Tyree Brady, you know, one of them. And um, I don't know, I, I think might have been Greg. Oh, no, it's uh, sorry, Ola, Olamide Zacchaeus of the uh, of UVA. He's, a, he's sort of a running back convert. He's very interesting here, but he's a small guy, a running back con- convert, mm-hmm. runs all kinds of routes at UVA. He's not a slot, he's not just a slot guy. Um, and just the way that he moves in the, the professional level that he uh he approaches the position has always been very appealing to me and he can run the ball like as a running back that's that's what his background is you're looking for guys like that you're looking for guys that you can trust after the catch uh in addition to being able to run the routes and i think that he's um he's kind of a he's kind of want to watch I, I think that's uh that's somebody that i'd really like to to look at um you know some other people are really high on uh, Hawaii's uh, John Ursua, and we've taken another guy that's a lot like him in, uh, in, in the UDFA range back when we got Devon Bess, and that's, that's somebody, maybe somebody to watch out for as well. All right, Chris. Now, you know the reputation that our coaching staff, well, not most of it, but some of it has that they're bringing from New England, and that's mm-hmm. that they look for a certain type. Mm-hmm. Okay, a wide receiver late in the draft. There's one guy who I think he was born to be a New England Patriot wide receiver, and since now we have some elements of the Patriots staff here in Miami, Hunter Renfro. You're really dancing around this white guy thing, aren't you? Yes. Does (laughs) he get drafted? First of all, I think he tested well enough that he could be drafted because he ran under 4.6, he had a 35-inch vertical, now, what's interesting is that he has under eight-inch hands. For a guy who's known as sure-handed and never drops anything, he has pretty yeah, small hands. For a guy who's 5'10", he's not small either. Mm-hmm. Does he get drafted? Is he a guy that you think they might be on to late in this draft? Personal opinion is no. And I think that the, the, small, like the small hands, the frame – Listen, we don't have everybody from New England's front office. Um, in fact, we have a whole different front office here in Miami. And while I do think that they're going to prioritize some of the things that New England did, I don't, I don't see why that would carry over. <laughs> I really don't. Like, uh, and so, so they dropped, you know, I don't, so they dropped one like in the sixth round, and then we, we yeah, just stare well, at each other. And then they, and then they take Andy Isabella at thirteen overall, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we should have you know, known, Andy, right? Andy Isabella, by the way, so, so going to be a Patriot. But yeah, I, I don't see why that would carry over, and I, I'll just choose to 
believe that it's, you know, that there's no reason that it would carry over until for some reason it does. Um, so, no, I don't see Hunter Renfro. I just don't think he qualifies uh, for what they want to do um, at the position and what they've already got. I think that Gary Jennings, somebody from um, West Virginia who they're showing some interest in, Terry McLaurin, uh, somebody from Ohio State. We know that they love Ohio State. Um, mm. They love these guys. Yeah, I would take either. I would take any of the three Ohio State yeah, guys. The only thing is that I think you have to use high picks on at least two of them. Well, Johnny Dixon is, you know, another guy that they're they're bringing in that they're they're showing some interest in. He's super fast, local kid. Um, things didn't go his way from an injury standpoint. Right. And now he's trying to, you know, now he's trying to turn that all around and. Um, you know, I think that I think guys like that are going to appeal to them more than Hunter Renfro. Um, so I, or Greg Dorch. I mean, if you want to go that route, Jesus, you know, Greg <laughs> Dorch is is fantastic. Uh, as far as as far as being you know a small shifty slot guy uh, that can that can really do some damage with with his run after catch abilities. Uh, I, I don't know. I nah. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going there. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think this is a group. I, I would I would not want to use a high pick on any of these guys, except for you know the very obvious ones. And well, of Hakeem course, <laughs> yeah, uh, Keen Butler already said. I already I said so on on the podcast last week that I could see a scenario. Not that they would do it, but this is something I would do if I could get a haul for thirteen, and I'm sitting mm-hmm. there somewhere around twenty or twenty one. Yeah, he drops right in my lap. That's my pick. Oh, yeah. that, that's my pick, and I don't have to think about it too much, you know? Mm-hmm. That's my pick. I, I say goodbye to Devontae Parker at the end of the year, and that's my new number one wide receiver. Now, yeah. tight ends group is, is kind of interesting because for the layman, they would look at this group and they'll say, okay, they're not drafting anybody. Uh, the group is set. Yeah. They have 4,000 tight ends, but you think otherwise? Well, it's not that I think – I think – there's room for either a fullback or another tight end. If they, it depends on what, which approach they're going to go. New England's never been a big, never been big on 11 personnel. Uh, mm-hmm. They use it, you know, but it's not to the extent that Adam Gase uses it. It's not to the extent the rest of the league uses it. And they, they deviate from 11 personnel. That's one running back, one tight end and three wide receivers, by the way. Uh, they deviate from it by either going multiple tight ends or going multiple running backs. And lately in New England, it's been multiple running backs because they've been using a fullback like James Devlin. And they had him compete in camp with, uh, I don't know, one of the Gronkowskis. And, and so they would bring two fullbacks to, to camp and have them compete because they planned to use that position and if they plan to use that position then you want to have multiple guys there competing for that roster spot to make it make sure it's good i don't know that miami's going to go that route or not because they haven't signed any fullbacks yet they you know we haven't seen they could draft one we don't know um they already have five rosterable tight ends and so it makes me wonder if they're going to do like sort of the 2010 to 2012 new england patriots Mm -hmm. where instead of Instead of going with 21 personnel and 22 personnel, it was all 12 personnel and 13 personnel um, with two tight ends, three tight ends, sometimes even four. Uh, So I think that Miami might be leaning toward that way, but they still might get one fullback. If they are leaning toward more tight ends, 
then they might go because New England has brought in five tight ends. Really, that, that's their habit, I think, in training camp and uh, and preseason is having five tight ends on the roster on the ninety man roster. They might go one extra. Miami might go one extra because because they're leaning toward twelve and and thirteen personnel as opposed to twenty one and twenty two. So if they do that, then if they find themselves, I so help me God, if if they're picking in the fourth round and Kahale Waring of San Diego State mm. is still on that board, then so help me God if they do not pick him. <laughs> because he is just a, a big, absolutely gorgeous-looking, classic Y tight end that runs well, cuts well, runs his routes extremely well, finishes catches really well, blocks. I mean, this is this is a guy that you could say, I mean, a lot of people are saying that New England is going to target him to mm. replace Rob, Rob Gronkowski, either he or TJ Hokinson. That's the kind of conversation that Kahale Waring is in. And I think, you know, if Miami is sitting on the board, at some point, they're going to be sitting there and it's like, wow, he's still there. Like, imagine what we could do if we had him as the why and Mike Gesicki doing what he should be doing, what he always should have been doing, which is playing the F, playing the Joker position. And and then you have sort of that Gronkowski-Hernandez pairing, which is what New England ran with from 2010 to 2012 when they were using multiple tight ends like two-thirds of the time, something crazy like mm-hmm. that. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, you're like, wow, we just unlocked two positions, you know? We got, we got Mike Gesicki better because he's being used the way he should have been used, and he's not being put in position to fail at the things that he's not that good at. And at the same time, we've got Kahale Waring, you know, playing in position – or TJ Hokinson playing in position like Rob Gronkowski, which is what they excel at. And and man, that would be just like a home run type of scenario to me. Well, I've I've read I've heard some draft analysts talk about T.J. Hokinson in this way, and I guess I, I I'm I can say that I'm a little bit surprised. Including uh, NFL Network Charles Davis said that T.J. Hokinson is one of the better prospects at tight end that he's seen in years, and he used mm-hmm. the term years. I don't see it. Do you see it? Am I wrong? What do you think? I think it's accurate. I think so. I, I was a fan of last year's tight end class, even mm-hmm. though I know that the NFL people weren't them weren't a huge fan of it. And and the reason they weren't is yeah, there are compelling prospects in terms of uh, in terms of pass catching with uh, Dallas Goddard and um, and Mark Andrews and uh, you know Ian um, uh, what's that what's that guy's name that went off to Carolina that we liked um, Ian something or other Ian Thomas. Uh, Ian Thomas, yeah, and uh, and of course our own Mike Gesicki. Yes, he did make plays in college, and yes, he did make plays in. Well, he made plays last year for Miami. There were pass catchers there, right? And, but you were like, eh, you know, where's the blocking? And the only guy that people liked from a blocking standpoint was a guy that I kind of felt was overrated actually um, last year, and the, out of South Carolina, uh, the the tight end that they had, Hayden Hurst. I thought he was overrated because because of the fact that he blocked pretty well. I wouldn't say, like, really well, but uh, he blocked pretty well. Um, and, he did have his you – know, in all fairness to him, before he got hurt last year, he did, had his, he did have some moments in Baltimore. In Baltimore. 
Yeah, but the the guy there turned out to be Mark Andrews, and you know I think he was the best rookie tight end. I think I think he was the best tight end prospect period last year. But um, you know the the rest of the market's just going to have to catch up to that. Um, so I, I, you know, you're looking at last year's tight end class, and the thing I kept hearing is that ah these guys don't block. And okay, I understand. I, I thought maybe the blocking is a little bit overrated, but um, you know now you look at it this year, and the reason why they're rating tj hokinson so well is because he blocks his ass off <laughs> and, yeah. and that's what and that's that's what it is and so you know he's also a really good pass catcher he was a dominant pass catching presence um and he blocked his ass off so so if you think about how they overrated i felt anyway they, they overrated oj howard because he blocks his ass off um and he was athletic I didn't feel like he was a particularly compelling pass catcher. You look at TJ Hokinson, he's a lot better than that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, he is one of the best tight end prospects that we've seen in years. Uh, if he's better than Mark Andrews was last year, then, yeah, he's, he's the best. Because Mark Andrews, to me, was the best tight end prospect that I had seen in, I think, three years. So, um, so you know, if, if, if TJ Hokinson is better than Mark Andrews, and yeah, he is. He's easily the best tight end prospect in the last three or four years. Now, let me ask you a question about a certain guy. Of course, the pedigree. He was at Alabama. He was productive, mm-hmm. but he's small. He's six he's two. Small. He's under two hundred fifty pounds. That's Irv Smith. Yeah. Is he, in my opinion, I look at him and what I see is the very best fullback prospect in the draft. No, I don't know about that. You don't think so? Yeah, I don't like, I don't, you know, no, no, I don't. Um, Because, I mean, he's, these guys, you got to use them. You got to use them. You got to allow them to be the player that made them who they are. And playing fullback. He did line up. By the way, he did line up at fullback a few snaps for Alabama. A few few snaps. I mean, it it kills me when these guys do it for a few snaps. And it's like, you know, okay, now we're going to do it full time. I mean, listen, the fullback position is going to be is going to be a guy who either has been playing fullback and is really good at it, or it's a guy who has like no pedigree whatsoever. You yeah. know that you pay that you paid like a couple of shekels to come in and and try out for the position and he won a competition and, and proved himself worthy of that's who the fullback's going to be it's not going to be some you know second round pick some third round pick some fourth round pick or even fifth round pick forget about it it's not going to be some conversion you know that you have to pay for um no no it's not it's going to be somebody cheap or it's going to be somebody that is proven uh, one of those two um it's not going to be between the in between there and you get screwed. So uh, I, Irv Smith is going to be a tight end. And I think he could be a good one. I mean, he's got a, you know, he's got a case to be made that he's like, um, you know, who's a, what is it? Delaney Walker. Uh, yeah. No. Am I thinking of the right guy? Um, Delaney Walker of t- Tennessee. Yeah. 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 Delaney Walker. Uh, he's got a case to be made that he's somewhere like that. Um, and maybe, maybe he is, I don't know. Uh, it wouldn't be for me because, to me Miami's needs the reason they signed four guys that all look alike uh <laughs> yeah. Durham Durham Smith Clive Walford Dwayne Allen and um and Nick O'Leary they all four guys look and play alike the re- reason they did that is because they need a why to play with Mike Gesicki and so that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for a why 
that's better than those guys. And to me, the why is out there. You're you're looking at maybe Foster Moreau of LSU. You're looking at um, you know T.J. Hokinson and Kahale Waring easily. Uh, and then once you get off of those guys, it starts to get a little bit more difficult finding somebody compelling. And uh, and that's that would be why I'd lean towards you know just keeping what we have. All right. Now let me ask you about another guy. Uh, after T.J. Hokinson goes off the board, is it possible that his teammate is the next tight end off the board? Noah Fant, of course. Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought this was the best tight end of the class uh, until mm-hmm. Hokinson just went crazy and and still might be. I don't know. I, you know he's he's got a very you know um, uh, Dallas Clark type look to him. Um, yeah. So you know we'll see. I think he's very, very, very good player. And I think he's an underrated blocker. He's, he's a little bit light and, and that's what I, I understand that people aren't necessarily viewing him as, uh, as a zealous Y, but um, a Y player, you know, Y position. But I, I like him a whole lot. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think, you know, whether you go with how I, I kind of have three guys at the top, Hokinson, yeah. Fant, and uh and Kahale Warren and you give me one of those three I'll you give me one of those three I'll be happy although Noah Fant probably doesn't fit Miami right now unless you just give up on Mike Kosicki okay now let me ask you a question as we are on the way out toward a break the Dolphins pull off what we think they might do which is a trade down somewhere into the 20s and pick up some some assets for draft capital for 2020 Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there somewhere in the low 20s, let's say 20th, 21st, 22nd. Is there a BPA at tight end that you would take in the first round? I don't think there's a player like that at the skill positions, period, you know, unless it's somebody like Hakeem Butler. Yeah, and I agree. All right, that's it. There is no more. Uh, maybe sometime this week you'll get a bonus pod. But till then, of course, go to Five Reasons Sports dot com we're doing a lot of good work on there you're gonna have the miami heat beat guys you're gonna have ethan skolnick you might have myself you might have simon clancy you might have chris kaufman any day of the week but till then thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.